Sharp Scratch, episode 48, Failing. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not get taught in medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a medical student at the University of Manchester. And I'm excited to be joined today by my good friend Izzy. Izzy, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Izzy and I am a fourth year medical student at the University of Nottingham. So glad to have you with us today, Izzy. And I'm delighted to be joined today by our expert guest, Dr. Rakesh Patel. Rakesh, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, Thanks, Nikki. So my name is Rakesh Patel. I'm a clinical associate professor in medical education at the University of Nottingham and an honorary consultant nephrologist at Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. So glad to have you with us today. Today we wanted to discuss a little bit about failing or making mistakes. I think this is a really important topic for us as medics because I think to an extent a lot of our sense of identity and almost sort of self-worth is quite tied up in our academic accomplishments and our sense of our own competency. Rakesh, would you agree with that? Why do you think this is an important conversation? I think I think you're right. I think you uh, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about our sense of self-worth and our sense of identity and um, when you're putting that in the context of becoming a doctor if you're not quite achieving that can be quite um, quite difficult to uh, to manage. Yeah I definitely agree with that so why do you think this is such an important conversation for us as, as medical students? I think it's it's quite complicated insofar as when you're talking about failing at medical school um it's it's bound up as you say in your sense of where you're going and what you're going to become so in the long term you see yourself as becoming a doctor and achieving you know a a very long term if not lifelong ambition but in the moment if you're not quite getting through or you're struggling on a task that can that can be quite difficult to manage when you've got that ideal looking there staring at you uh, on that journey that you're on but you're not getting through and and those two clearly won't sit right will they no I definitely agree with that so Izzy when I was thinking a bit about this I was wondering how much of our kind of pain in failure as medical students stems from being quite accustomed to doing well so how would you describe like medical school in comparison to your school experiences like were you used to being like top of the class and things at school um Oh, I definitely wouldn't say in sciences I was top of the class. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think there's definitely a sense of com- comparing ourselves to others. And, you know, there's always be a, well, what did you get? What did you get? And then you'd see the people who, you know, are obviously quite quiet and you think, oh, maybe they didn't do so well. And I think that definitely comes to med- medical school as well, that you get people who are very vocal about how well they did and people who are very very obviously not so vocal and some people are just like that that's just who they are as a person they're they they're very I guess competitive that's how they thrive by comparing themselves to others some people compare themselves to others in a more negative way as in that's fueling their anxiety their um, lack of self-worth and I think if they fail an exam, that can fuel a downward spiral in a way. You know, you can still get the, oh, I wasn't as good as this person, therefore I'm not going to be as good a doctor. I can definitely see that in myself, in 
some other people around me at medical school and it definitely does influence how I think people perceive their medical education, how they train and how they work their way through medical school, how they graduate effect, like effectively, how they actually come out of the other side of medical school. I think it's really interesting that you spoke a lot about competitiveness there because I think there's an element of competitiveness obviously with our peers and I think in a way the whole system is kind of designed for that with the whole rankings and things like that. I think obviously that's natural also based on what probably the personality type is as a medic but also this competitiveness with yourself that you mentioned there as to oh I didn't do as well as last time or I didn't do as well as before. Rakesh, how do you think this kind of concept of competitiveness plays into this for us as as medics? I, I think I think it I think it plays in quite a lot because um, if you look at everything you need to do to get into medical school, it's centred around competitiveness and ranking and, and and being at the top and making sure you meet the thresholds to get into medical school. So that that is a significant significant driver uh, almost a fuel of of that sort of behavior that you then probably see within medical school which is that you are again ranked you are again assessed and by definition there is an inherent competition because as you come out of medical school in order to get a job in the competitive labor market you need to rank above others or at least distinguish yourself um, so on the one hand, you've got that drive or need needing to be competitive against others because that's just the name of the game. But equally, then you've got this long term view of developing your self-identity around being a doctor, being the best doctor you can be. And again, you've got that dissonance, you've got that competing interest and those two aren't necessarily the same. Um, so I think all of this then conspires into this sort of muddle about how you respond or how you react around things like assessment and failure. And Rakesh, I was just wondering, as you were speaking there, do you know how common it is for medical students or doctors to fail at some point in their career? I was trying to see if I could find some figures, actually, because I suspected that would come up. I think anecdotally, and, and again, anecdotes or two anecdotes aren't evidence so I think people always use the sort of 10% sort of there's always a 10% that struggle and I think depending on um, which paper you read or, or what you look at I think I think in terms of measurement what we measure and what we look at I think it's anything from a, a couple of percent to uh, maybe up to or even beyond around 10% so I think at medical school it's it's around those figures I think beyond that, I think it's harder to make sense of it because all the data is different and what you're measuring and what you're comparing on aren't necessarily the same. But I think rule of thumb probably in this situation is about right. There's about 10% of people who probably will be struggling or um, experiencing some form of failure um, at medical school. And do you want to tell us a little bit about why this is one of your interests and how you ended up getting into this? Yeah, so I think for me um, at the time when I was training, uh, a friend of a friend had asked me to help someone who was struggling. And I started teaching this individual who had struggled with an, uh, an exam. 
And what I was fascinated was at the time was some of the things she was saying about her experience. And it wasn't necessarily related to the exam. It was all the other things that come with being a medical student or going through the system or coming out the other end of an assessment. And these were things that, that I'd never seen before, but they were tapping into some of the things, the urban legends and myths that, that prevail at medical school about what people say about assessment and what happens to you and all the rest of it. And I was just totally fascinated because um, having been through medical school and, and experienced um, a, 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 a failing episode at an exam, some of it resonated with me, but clearly there were other bits that didn't. They, they were, seemed really visceral and really sensitive and, and were really affecting how her experience was so what then transpired was that there were more of her in her position and um it was just fascinating at the time i i was looking for a project to do for my master's thesis uh and then i managed to um work with those students to help them uh as part of their remediation but then i continued the study over about six or seven years across a couple of medical schools and and really sort of developed an interest in understanding the student experience of failure and, and all the different facets to that. Um, so that's how I got into this area. Thank you. And do you mind me asking what sort of things it was that she was saying that interested you, like the myths and things that you mentioned there? Yeah, so I think there was a whole side around learning. And, and I think what I found fascinating was the fact that um, we, we enter medical school um, perceiving that we're doing really well in terms of our learning strategies and, and how to sort of learn and how to study and how to prepare for assessment. And and then you get into medical school and, and lots of different things happen. But one of the things that happens is the challenge or the level of challenge goes up, which is why I think that that's the first place to start, that, that, that it's a different type of exam. It's a different type of knowledge base. It's a larger knowledge base. And um, that that's one issue. Um, then there's all the bit around um, how you react to setbacks specifically tied to the experience of failure were a whole load of sort of psychological reactions. And I think that's the best way to to think about this. Um, tendencies to react in this way rather than that way. Tendencies to respond in this way rather than that way that were particularly unique to students who had a history or a legacy of failure. And that was what I was particularly interested in. It was how can we stop this either cycle of failure or this spiral of downward um, trajectory that would then conspire to then um, affect the whole functioning of that student and, and almost make them unrecognisable to the person who turned up on their first day wanting to be the best person or the best version of themselves. We'll discuss a little bit more about failing or making mistakes but that'll be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. 
It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, back to the show. I guess there's also a bit of a conversation to be had, and I think Izzy touched on this a bit earlier, about what we see to be a personal failure, but then what is also classed as, I guess, an institutional failure. So there's a lot of people who may consider a particular score or a particular mark as a failure for themselves based on what they expected of themselves, like their own expectations, whereas another student might be thrilled to have just passed. And then I guess that's also quite different to formally failing and having to resit or repeat a year. And I guess there's also such a stigma between medics about discussing this. Often I think people on both ends of the conversation feel quite uncomfortable. Why do you think this is? I think personally for myself it's it's the way that you know the admissions process with medics is such a way of you know, seeding out the strongest, the, the most resilient types. Um, I use resilient very carefully there. <laughs> um, there's so many phases to the admissions process that, you know, first you take the academics, which are the first one. And so you only take the people who are academically seen as enough for the course. And that means that you kind of want to prove yourself the rest of the way forward. And when you get most of the way through this course, you, you, you have to say, am I worthy of being as good as I was back in that first year? Could someone else have been better than I was to take that place? It's a worthiness. It's could, could I have done better? Could I have proved myself as being better than I am now? I think you've basically touched on this here already, but it's a lot about your expectations, isn't it? Like what you expected of yourself, whether you expect it. And it's a bit like what Rakesh was saying before about um, how people thought they were doing right before the exam. Like, did you think, did you expect to go into that exam and do really well? And then you've only just scraped a pass or you haven't. And then does that affect you more than someone who knew they were not prepared and unlikely to do well? Rakesh, what are your thoughts on that? There are a number of points. The first thing is the expectations around what an 18-year-old entering medical school in the UK really understands and knows about the process that they're just about to commit to, sign up to, are, are probably not well thought through, not set out, not not calibrated is probably the best word. But, um, and I think that that's a big part of it. I think... If if you just focus on the words institutional failure and personal failure, I think it goes back to what, what you said, Nikki, reflecting on what Izzy said is, what do we mean by failure? And then what do we mean by institutional failure? Because if you're talking about institutional failure in the context of the assessment process or the assessment outcomes, you know, that that's, I think, different from the the fact that people may be classified as failing or having failed um, at some assessment point during that journey. Because if you look at it the other way, the public expect people to be competent and ready to serve and provide patient care. So I think that all muddies it as well. It's not an abstract examination or an assessment that doesn't mean anything in some respects. It has, you know, quite 
close correlation with what we're trying to go do or go through as we go through medical school. Um, and then there's the, the aspect around what does personal failure mean? If you listen to Izzy's story, it's very much this, again, individualised sense of what was happening when she was being interviewed, what she was saying she would commit to, almost like a marriage in an effect, um, vows and sort of commitments making to the medical school. And, and I think that that's quite important to remember. But I think we also need to disaggregate what we mean by personal failure in the context of are we talking about at assessment are we talking about uh, those vows say for example we use the same metaphor that we said that we would be doing at the start and whether we're faithfully doing throughout the medical school are we talking about our ability to sort of learn and the quality of our learning relative to becoming a doctor because going through medical school is tough it's a difficult challenge where it's 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 um, arguably one of the most difficult things that people will try and produce or become. And then I think that the the one that's probably the most uh, difficult one to reconcile at an individual level is, do we mean, are we failing as people, as individuals, as humans? And I think that's the one I think sometimes will get conflated and wrapped up. And I think that's the one that as educators, we need to disaggregate and help students make sense of their experience and, and sort of um, uh, un, unwrapple these things because it goes back to the very first thing you said about self-worth and identity. If going through medical school is about your professional identity formation, there is no doubt in my mind that your personal identity will be wrapped up in that. So we need to think of and help people make sense of failing an assessment or failure at an assessment in the context of that um, development process. leads on perfectly to what my next question was going to be to you both and I was going to ask why you think that we take failing so personally and as people in general but then particularly as medics and I think Rakesh you just touched on this about the whole idea of our um, personal identity being wrapped up in our professional identity like a lot of us think that say if I failed this exam does that mean I'm not going to be a good doctor and I associate myself as being a medical student or someone who's going to become a doctor so it can really start to affect people on a quite deeply personal level. I'm the sort of person that does take things personally as it is. I'm a very sensitive person. And I half wonder if that's what a lot of medical students, medics think, because that's what medics are often like. They're quite um, tuned into the needs of other people, the needs of themselves, like emotions and the psyche of people. And sometimes that can also be reflecting on themselves and their own feelings. But in another respect, I think it's also because you, you've had it drilled into you. Your duty is patient care, patient is the priority. And also the fact that if you are failing something, then you're providing subpar care. That's basically what it means. It means that you have not met the standards that the GMC mandates that you need to do to provide good patient care. So that, I think, is probably, even subconsciously, what's on people's minds if they fail. And I don't even know if people are consciously aware of it. Like, I've had to think of it there and try and work it out for myself. But I think that might be what it is. 
And then also the fact that, you know, you've slaved through a four, five, six year course, depending on what course you're on. And if you had to retake a year, on a personal note, that is A, an expense to you. That's what, it could be nine and a half, 2.5 grand. It's time consuming. And it's also quite, it can feel really quite, not that it's it should, but it can be, for me, I'd feel quite ashamed to see and quite sad to see my friends, my year, you know, graduate. And I feel like I should be doing that now. And I'd feel like, oh, like that's, I could be there. I could be doing that. I, it's that I could, I could, I could. And it's, and I'd find that really hard to get out of my head. And even when like, I've been told, um, like to consider taking a year out for my health or things like that. That's the first thing that's come into my mind. Not my health, <laughs> not, not like, oh yeah, this would be really good for my mental health or um, for my mindset. It's been, oh, I would not be able to see my friends graduate before me or go into these. <laughs> that, yeah. that has been the first thing that's come to mind. That was really interesting that you spoke up there about um, the shame or like the almost sense of embarrassment that people might have. Because I just remembered, as you were saying, that in first year, like near exam season, one of my classmates asked me, if you ended up failing and having to reset the year and you were in the year below, would you tell them that you were retaking or would you just pretend that it's your first time? Like, would you pretend to get lost in the bit in the building? Or would you pretend that it, that, I was like, I hadn't thought about it, but it was it really interesting to me that she was like, oh, I think I wouldn't say, I think I would just go along and as if I know what's going on a bit better than everyone else and just like let it pass and not tell anyone that I was retaking the year. And I thought that was so interesting that she thought about that and thought, if that had happened to me I wouldn't admit that I was resitting and it, that just resonated with me when you were speaking about um embarrassment and shame there so Rakesh what do what are your thoughts on what Izzy was saying and also how do you think that we can sort of encourage a bit more conversation around failure as a medical student and like kind of reduce that stigma yeah there's probably th- three bits to that but there's the first bit that Izzy said that I think perhaps is a message for educators to to go away and think about is that these judgments that we make uh, at the end of the day that's the purpose of an assessment is to make a judgment about whether learning uh, has taken place and in the context of medical school it's um, it's around some of the things that Izzy's talked about the the uh, is the judgment that I'm now not good enough to provide care this isn't about um, uh, an ordinary task this is being a doctor so I think there is a chance that that we can maybe overlook the impact the gravity uh the weight of expectation and 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 what impact that has um on students um it doesn't take away that a judgment has to be made but it's just that that weight of expectation around it um because it's our normal business we do it year on year we may forget that each individual the assessment has an impact it has meaning it has consequences so I think that's that, that's the first thing I'd like to say about, you know, having heard um, Izzy's experience. I think the second thing is perhaps linking to some of the things that you said. Um, and I think it is the first time the word shame has been talked about. I think just before we talk about shame, I think that we need to think about 
um, guilt, actually. So just before shame, I would say it's worth having a think about guilt. And, and you know, in terms of uh, what that means, it, it's sort of this acknowledgement that maybe something has gone wrong and, and, and maybe there's a lesson to be learned. I think that's a good thing. It, it does link to the sort of uh, last question you gave as to what we need to do about it in order to reduce the impact and, and have conversation. To it. I think the word normalisation of failure has been talked about. I know what people mean, but I'm still not a fan of that term. What I'm, I'm more a fan of is is the sense that actually the word, and I think a lot of people were talking about this about 10 years ago when I was there, is that imagine if we could just change the language to not yet. Uh, the word failure is a label and it and, and I think that leads label all labels lead to stigmatization but if we sort of had judgments that was not qu- not quite yet yeah not quite ready that would lessen sort of the impact on the stigma and certainly the shame because shame I think is a bit more of a deep-seated feeling and why it's important in the context of failure is is because it corrodes the very belief that that individual will then have that they're capable of change and that's why I think it's really important and there are two types of shame there's the shame that we feel when we're embarrassed ourselves and Nikki, you did when you sort of said, oh, I had this question about uh, what if I was in the year below and would I admit it? It it really does relate to some of that embarrassment and shame that we have on ourselves uh, or our behaviour. And then I think there's another type of shame that hasn't been talked about, but, but is there. It's the shame we feel when others are embarrassed by us maybe uh, that can play to it and then beyond that then there's the act of shaming and I think in the context of failure there is that behavior that can be there where um, it can be anything sort of from finger wagging to publicly humiliating someone and that's also a problem so these emotions are quite destructive and in terms of what we need to do about them I think the first thing we need to do is is, is sort of not necessarily normalize failure but say it's okay to not quite be there at this moment not being quite ready to move on I think we're too harsh on ourselves and I think students um, it goes back to what Izzy said uh, about this sort of dissonance between on the one hand we're expected to be compassionate yet we're not being compassionate to ourselves Um, it's this sense of um, perfectionism Um, on the one hand we aspire to these tendencies are the very ones that got us to where we are and got us into medical school where we're able to keep going and 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 do the best we can but some sometimes in different contexts they're the very tendencies that are driving us to pursue when actually it is best to take a break revive renew ourselves get going again and what we need to normalize is perhaps the fact that the first time you do something, you might not get it right. But what's most important is that you 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 have a go, uh, you see what happens, you then, I think, um, and this is then a conversation with to have, be had with medical schools and all educators, is, is how then can we get the feedback right and the support right to then allow that individual to progress um, in the way that they were doing before. And I think that's the area where we just need to get better uh, at. Rakesh, in your experience, what kind of support is there for students who might have failed or might currently be struggling at, at that point where you mentioned before, like prior to the exam as well? Yeah, and I think it's, uh, it, that's a good question because I think it's like most things, it's it's 
it's when support is everyone's responsibility, it becomes nobody's responsibility. And I think that's, you know, there's no end of messages that there's support here, there's support there, there's support here, there's support there. But I think in the context of not quite getting through an assessment, I think what we need is when you've got it everywhere, this is when you need um, uh, um, real good trained expert remediators who actually specialize a bit like you would do in any other clinical subspecialty that you have expertise in understanding uh, failing the failing episode you understand assessment you understand teaching and learning so when you are responsible for, for supporting someone through this you're able to do that to stop this destructive cycle i think if we look at remediation which is the term used to describe you know the formal support given to students after um, academic failure I think generally if uh, if I look around at some of the descriptions of what people do it generally tends to be more practice or more time doing the same thing there doesn't tend to be uh, a sort of forensic look at making an educational diagnosis whatever you know in the in the most holistic way as to some of the things that are preventing that individual from moving on and there's also a lot of the things we do are either a theoretical don't follow any particular educational theory or instructional design and they lack an evidence base and i think there's some there was some really good research from colleagues at leeds showed that if it's just short-term remediation all you're doing is pushing the problem down the road really what we need to do is is really get the remediators in who have expertise in this area to to to, to actually find out what's going wrong and put that individual back on track. So the challenge, I think, uh, to summarise is getting the best teachers trained and giving them time to do what they do best. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about this in just a moment, but we're just going to take a quick break to hear about an offer available to Sharp Scratch listeners. As a junior doctor, you want the latest clinical information at your fingertips, anywhere, anytime. That's why, funded by Health Education England, NHS Education for Scotland and NHS Wales, all NHS staff in England, Scotland and Wales have free access to BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice provides the latest evidence-based information structured around the patient consultation to help you treat patients with confidence. It includes differential diagnosis and treatment algorithms, videos of common clinical procedures, important update alerts for evidence changes, over 500 medical calculators, links to local guidelines and nearly 500 patient leaflets. Create your free account today by visiting bmj.com forward slash UK access. Okay, back to the show. Um, So say if we've got a listener at the moment who's just failed an exam, what would your take home message be for them um, at this point? I'd say that um, probably that it's not the be all or end all at the moment. You've got another chance. And at the moment, it's not a patient at at harm at the moment. It's, it's your personal progression and it's up to you how you deal with it. So what's at, in a way that can sound quite harsh, but you can look at it in a way that you're in control of it, which you is actually quite a good way of looking at it that you can choose even though it's out of control that you've failed as such or you've failed or you've not quite progressed or um not yet as Rakesh just said you can choose how you your outlook on it which I quite like the way of looking at that 
that you can either choose to be quite negative about it that oh I'm never going to be good enough or that but you can actually say oh I'm lucky I've got another chance I can perfect it or I know where I went wrong so I know exactly where I have to focus my energy for next time or oh I'm lucky I've got a next time you know things like that I think that's actually a really good way to channel those negative initial negative thoughts which inevitably you're going to have into more positive thinking which is always good for the soul isn't it especially in times like this definitely um Prakash what about you what's your usual advice to someone who has might have just failed again I don't think it's any coincidence I was going to say we choose how we react and we choose how we respond and I think it's it's about focusing on the things that are in your control um and that way all the disappointment um, can be channeled in a way that actually is is going to lead to some positive action. And I think that's what you can do uh, as an individual and then obviously get the help and feedback you need around that. But as I say, um, you choose how you react and we choose how we respond. Yeah, that's so important. And I think it's like what you were saying earlier, Rakesh, about the not necessarily normalising it, because I know you don't like that word, but thinking about it as not quite yet, that it is also clarified. Um so I guess while it not might not feel like the norm, p- different people fail different things at different stages. And it's, as we've been saying, it's how you cope with it or how you deal with it that might make you a better doctor in the long run. And I guess it's not that it doesn't matter because it does and it matters to you in that moment and it may have an impact on your career progression or what you're ne- doing next year. But by no means is it a reflection on your ability of or what you're capable of. It's more of a reflection of your preparation for that particular topic or how you felt that day, that week or even that year. So that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you would like to hear more from us, please subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks' time you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. I'd love to hear your ideas about what you think we should cover later on in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other med students find the show. Until then, bye from us. Bye. Bye.